Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. Wait a second, wait a second. Three In, Three Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast. How, Brandon, how do I, how do I miss the, <laughs> how do I yada, yada, yada over the best part? The most unique Seahawks podcast in the multiverse. Now, I am your host, Clinton Bonner. Please find me out on Twitter, say hello, give a follow, tweet at me, at Clinton Bond. And I am, of course, joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. And find him out on Twitter, at SeahawkersPod. This is going to be a lot of fun. I've got my third coffee rocking and rolling. We'll, we'll talk about, like, I couldn't watch this game live, which was bizarre for me. And on the other side of this, Brandon... You're still in the Houston you know, hotel next to the medical center down there, real close to NRG Stadium. You were there live. So I, I very much watched this game live. Yeah. I, it was it was I, I probably was at least 10 seconds ahead of everybody else. That's that that sounds about right. And for me, about about a four hour delay that I had I had to you know, watch the game later. But it all it all turned out it all turned out roses. It was it and was I don't even blame you too much for screwing up the introduction because, you know, this is one of the, the first times where I've had like a musical highlight reel going through my mind. And it's like Rashad Penny wearing hammer pants <laughs> and it's the you can't touch this. And I'm seeing Penny just breaking through lines, stiff arming dudes. And uh, yeah, Rashad Penny is our MC Hammer. Uh, we know what? Too legit to quit. Why not the whole thing already? I'm not sure who makes, you You know, who, who's our prime time then? Who's our Andre Ryzen? But if we need to hearken back to the, to the, you know, the 1990s, the early 90s, dirty birds, late 80s, dirty birds. Hey, I, I'm here for it because that team was a lot of fun. So, Brandon, I am I am excited to talk to you about this game for, for a multitude of reasons. So before we get into the nooks, the crannies, the ins, the outs, the whole thing already, I do want to give a little, a small preamble, Brandon. I want to give a small preamble because I wasn't watching this game live. So of course, I'm checking out some tweets, I'm checking out some Discord comments, and I'm just watching the, the scores, essentially, with a little graphic of, you know, the little arrow, how many people, how many yards did somebody just go get, et cetera, et cetera. When I got home, the narrative of like the timeline didn't seem to match up with what my eyes saw later. And I think it's because like when I rewatched the game, I knew it was a 20 point victory. Like I knew right. how it ended. So I, I wasn't in the moment sending a, a text or a tweet at 1913 entering the fourth quarter. So, but I expected a lot of slop, like the way it was coming out on Twitter. I was like, oh man, this is just a grind. This is a sloppy game. This is, this is just, you know, a lot of disconnection. I got to tell you, Brandon, on the rewatch, again, maybe it's because of my point of view is so different knowing the outcome on the rewatch. That is not at all what I saw. So I, I wonder how what you saw live from a, a flow perspective. In terms of slop, uh, you know, the thing <laughs> I think. <laughs> let's start with the slop. Let's talk. Let's talk slop. Let's go. I think the thing that set people off right away was a Davis Mills drive right at the start of the game that made him look amazing as he just. You know, they, they get past that initial uh, third down. Yeah. And if you if you stop them on that first third down and, and get that offense off the field, then I think that it's a very different tone setter. But they pick up the third down and then a couple plays later, there's they're scoring. Uh, and, and that was the only third down on that first drive. So for the defense to come out and then be so 
flat. Yep. Uh, especially when you know that Mills is probably just going to be checking it down anyway. The the defense didn't seem prepared for that, and I think it was it was that along with the fact that they put together another big drive. They didn't come away with a ton of points, but it was just that you couldn't stop the Houston offense in the first half. And that was frustrating. Yeah. And, and I can, I can imagine that the, the sentiment like in, in the stadium, cause there was a lot of 12s there. Very, very loud. It was, it was clearly a good amount of people traveled, which is, which is awesome. And I can only imagine the sentiment when, when they, you know, and the touchdown for Mills to the back of the end zone and, and the guy, and he's, is it Brevin Jordan? I wide think. Open. Yeah. I mean, Brevin wide, Jordan, wide open. Wide. No, oh, nobody, nobody, on nobody. So, you know, I could understand the sentiment going to like, holy crap, did I get on a plane to come, to come watch this all day to come watch, you know, come watch David Mills do his best, uh, you know, whatever the nickname we gave for Colt McCoy was. I'm forgetting the names of those guns. Um, uh, well, you know what? Call him David because, you know, his name's Davis. So David's yeah, a nice nickname yeah. too. <laughs> David, yes. Yeah. David. Yeah. David, David almost took down Goliath with this one. Uh, but then of course it, go, it goes a different way, but so I understand that. Like, and that, that first drive, it's not in the out section. So might as well make it part of the preamble. But this is what we talked about on what if, like, what will, what will it be like if, if they're in this game? Well, you know, we're making David Mills look like a, a, a very solid NFL quarterback. And Phil said it, Phil Leidick, the protector of the multiverse is like, Hey, listen, anybody with time and just, you know, pot softness, if they're at the NFL level, they all can make those throws. That's not, that's not that hard. Now, now we'll give a little, little tip of the hat to Davis Mills saying, Maybe the Texans found a little something. You know, he's he played well against the Patriots, obviously played pretty well here. Maybe he's more than meets the eye. And we find out like year two, year three, this dude could ball a little bit. And we were just getting like a young Davis Mills and, and we still got the victory. All good. All good there. But I can understand how the sentiment out of the gate was a little was a little wishy-washy, especially on Twitter, especially oh, on Twitter. Well, well, I Twitter. Like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we, that's how you're following the game. Yeah. That you know, was generally not the most positive. Yeah. No, no, it's not. Not the most positive place to be, you know, a uh, period. Right. Uh, but it, but it is fun. It's still still my favorite uh, social media network of all of them created thus far. Uh, even MySpace, which you talked, which you talked about this week on What If. Um, and, and I'll get into some more of this, too, as we get into the ins and outs. But I did. I really I've been hearkening back to, can we see what we saw in week one versus the Colts? Can we see a lot of misdirection? Can we see a lot of pre-stat motion? Can we see inventiveness off of those things? I mean, yes, there were some miss, maybe misthrows, just th- things, a penalty here here or there that brought, brought big things back. However, anybody who has not gone and rewatched that game, holy heck, go rewatch what the offense look like now i get you give you give russ time he's going to do russ things this is the in my opinion the the most cohesive shane the main brain uh waldron offense since week one in terms of what i think he actually wants wanted to do from week one and how it got junked with injuries and, and everything else so I'm pretty bullish. You know, this is this this is the Mets fan, Brandon. This is the Mets fan in me <laughs> at five and eight. And, and you know, thanks a lot, Bengals, for for bungling that loss. But at five and eight, now we get to go play the Rams on a short week. I I'm starting to build some momentum that that it could be. It could be, Brandon. That's not a bad place to be. I'm worried you're setting yourself up for disappointment after this week. No but doubt. I I am hoping that it is not the case and that you can just be one step ahead of the excitement of the rest of us by getting that excitement building now leading up to this 
next Sunday's game. Yeah, I, I excite easy. There's no, there's no, my, my valency, if I was on the atomic level here, I jumped to the, to the next atomic level uh, with my valency quite, quite easily. So I am in an excited state. It's probably the third cup of coffee. So we are going to get to the ins, the outs, the nooks, the crannies. And Brandon, there is a rule. There's one guiding rule, one guiding light, a simple rule on three and three out. However, I tend to forget it and I always need to hit the tag team. You know, you're, you're there and I, I, I tag you. What's our one rule on three and three out? Tell the good people. Yes, it is much like when you tag me and I jump into the ring heart brother style to uh, to join you. When we win, we start with an in. We start with an in. And, and, and you know, and, and first of all, I, first of all, second of all, third of all, Brandon is still in Houston after a night of having fun out there and, and doing everything with the flock. And, you know, his voice is hoarse and it's great. Him <laughs> getting up at, at even an hour earlier, 8 a.m. his time to do this is that's awesome of you. So I want to want to send the appreciation out to you because, man, you do the first in goes to me. Yeah. All right, let's get to it <laughs> now. You get the brand. Exactly. You get the brand ins. But let us get to the first in. You know when you open a new restaurant, Brandon, you know what they, they, they call that like first week or first couple of days when a new restaurant's opening? I, I always know because I am proficient at opening restaurants. <laughs> I love it. Brandon's Bistro. I can see it now. A Kalispell, you know, specialty. Um, you know, it's called a soft opening. It's a soft. Uh, okay. You run through. You run through the 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 motions. You make sure everything's good. You make sure your 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 cooks are doing what they're supposed to do, and your plates look the right way, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm gonna see the only week that was coming to my mind was Hell Week, and I know that that does not <laughs> yes, have anything to do not with Hell restaurants. Week. Yeah, that, that, correct. Pr- probably probably not. Uh, I hope not for those in the business. So I'm going to do a, a soft opening here, a little soft opening for the people. I want to call out. So Jamal Adams goes out. This was the game where we talked about in What If that it probably wouldn't matter too much in terms of we won't see a huge delta just yet because not a lot of talent out there. Brandon Cook still goes off. He gets his 100 yards. We make Davis Mills look good for, for a bit of the game. However, I want to give some early love to Ryan Neal's run defense. It's like it's not so much like he did his best Jamal Adams on run defense, which is really Jamal Adams is a stellar run defender. Stellar. It's 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 less like, oh, he did his best Jamal. And it's more just like he played the great box safety role really, really well. There was at least two times in like the first quarter or two where he is sneaking up, sneaking up at the line. It was actually the first play of the game. He has a nice tackle, tackle for a loss or tackle for nothing. Um, and then there's another play a little bit later, also in the first half, where you just see Neil kind of bouncing towards the, you know, towards the line of scrimmage. And then he's just hammering down the line and making making a great, great stop. And this was a bit of a, a tale of two cities with the, the run defense this game. It was like there were moments where it was like, wait a second, they've they've got they're pushing, they're pushing our dudes off a little bit. And then there were also lots of other moments where it was like tackles for losses. So I want to soft open this thing by giving some love to Ryan Neal and his run defense because. I thought he was pretty darn good. And one week out from where Jamal gets injured to him stepping in, I want to recognize that. Yeah. And I do feel in this game, too, there was at least one play where he had kind of that pancake style tackle where yep. the running back's coming up the middle and he just plants his shoulder into the guy's midsection, puts him on the ground. If you're going to get to that level of the the defense, I like a guy who is going to ultimately punish 
and when we talked about it and what if Rex Burkhead was not the running back on our on our mind that uh, maybe we needed to stop. And somehow this was a Rex Burkhead day for the Texans. Yeah. Stra- strangely enough. Right. I, I, I mentioned a lot that I play a lot of fantasy football. So I know people that were like, oh, I got to start Rex Burkhead. And, and they were, were rewarded to some extent because uh, I think what didn't David Johnson end up on the, the COVID list at the, at the last second there? Um, oh, so is that what happened? I think okay. so. I think he ended up tested positive that morning or, or you know, I, I don't know. Hope, obviously, hopefully the dude is doing doing well. Yeah, I didn't. I Well, I don't think I saw him out there and I, I did not hear that news. But I think the main news that I was trying to follow was Brandon Cooks going to start for this game. And apart from that, I guess I didn't really care much about any of the other news uh, in terms of the Texans and their injuries. So, yeah, yeah, that. I, Days out. That's news to me that David Johnson didn't even play. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't even there, right? So, and that's that's kind of goes to show you the state of that of that offense still. Um, and and again, we still got kind of burnt by Brandon Cooks, and we still kind of got burnt by the uh, the, the over the middle stuff. However, that's the first in. It's to Neil. We got some house to cover. Let's do the uh, let's do the thing. Our first out here, Brandon. Okay, I'm gonna Bob Ross this one for us. It is. Which means I'm going to wet the canvas with the liquid white, right? We got to prepare. You got to prepare your canvas so we can paint the picture. It's seven nothing Texans. That sounds ugly. Q1, about 7.06 to go. And the ball's on the 16-yard line of of Houston, and it's third and two. So this was Seattle's basically, yeah, I think it's, it is Seattle's first drive. So this is our first drive. We're looking good. Penny's showing out early. Russ has made a couple of first downs. And it's like, all right, we, we're... we're looking okay. So here's the deal. I, I, I remember, I, I remember this play in the stadium. I can tell you that already. And I, and I, and, and I have a question for you on this and, yes. and maybe I'll get the answer with, with who, who, who is the out in this situation. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, how about, how about I unveil it with the story? Is that, is that okay? Okay. So it's a toss left on a third and two, which again, on the, what if show, which we hope, we hope folks are listening to, cause those are fun. Those that's the preview show we do on the field goals podcast. It's kind of the, the sister, the, the mirror of this, the sober yin, the raging yang, the whole thing already. And we talked about, hey, it's okay. If, if we're going to do tosses, or my opinion was, hey, if you're going to try to get Penny outside, well, that makes a little bit of sense, especially if the interior run game isn't working, which we'll, I think we'll get to it a bit later as well. Um, now, I don't mind the call. I, I It's get Penny outside. He's quick. That's his jam. And you actually see that he gets in decent position. He does his job enough. He does his job enough. He turns his guy enough. The guy that fails in this play was Damian Lewis. So Damian Lewis just, and and, and when I go back and watch this, I'm like, okay, I'm like, who's number 32 on the Texans? Like, who is this guy, right? Who did he get beat by? And his name is Garrett Warlow. So then I'm like, all right, <laughs> let me dig a little deeper. Garrett, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a third string Sam linebacker, according to their death charts. Okay, maybe moved up this week and maybe they're playing some new dudes. He's a rookie. I go on Twitter and I try to search the name, just Garrett Warlow. Goose egg. Not one (laughs) direct. I had to go back. Did I spell it right? Garrett Warlow, Texans, Garrett Warlow, rookie. I'm trying different combinations. The fact that Garrett Warlow, I've said his name seven times now in a row, didn't show up on a Twitter search. I was like, this dude's an NFL player. He's a rookie. This show is now going to show up (laughs) in the number one spot when you search for Garrett Warlow on on the internet now. Good good for him, right? Because... Because you, the guy keyworded this perfectly. Yes, the guy Garrett Warlow, number thirty-two, does make a very nice play. Lewis just doesn't engage like heavily enough. Just doesn't. It's just he's not 
he's just not there. He's not, not quick enough. And the dude blows by him and blows up the play. So it's a small out, if you will, or individual play out. However, I'm like, you know, this is our sophomore guy. I know he's coming back from injury and I'm sure he's not a hundred percent who is in a 17 game year. Hey, NFL, let's add some more games. The entire league is friggin' injured. Like good idea. So, you know, dudes are hurt. However, Lewis just doesn't get there. The play gets blown up by the the legend Garrett Warlow, and then we got to kick a kick an early field goal. So that was an out for me that stood out early. Brandon, is it is it where you thought I was going to go with the out? This is exactly where I did think that you were going to go because I was I found myself in the odd position in the stands defending Rashad Penny on this play because. People behind me were like, oh, well, there's the same. There's the Rashad Penny that we all expected. I'm like, no, there was a dude who missed his block on that because there is no way this guy should be in the backfield tackling Penny. Uh, Somebody somebody ahead of him screwed up because he got tackled, you know, three, four yards behind the line. And, you know, you should at least on a on a toss to the outside with Penny's type of speed. If if everything blocks correctly, you at least get to, to the back to the line of scrimmage. Hundred percent. I'm glad that you were there live and were able to able to you know defend defend Penny's honor there a little bit. You know, I, I've crushed the dude and he's playing really well. So that's that's certainly. And we're gonna like I said, we'll talk we'll talk about Penny as we get back to the ends. Um, and that's a little foreshadowing. Oh, and I, yeah, I think this wasn't even into the position of he hadn't even really done much other than I guess he did break off a couple runs early on in that drive and then he he got stoned at the end. But you know, with Lewis. If this is where you're going to go, this doesn't even have to be play number one that gets him the out. I mean, unless, unless he's getting multiple outs in the show, I think I'm safe to, to point out the fact that was it not him that was the holding penalty on the DK Metcalf touchdown that got called back? I thought that was Gabe Jackson. Okay. So I, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just re, I watched it. Maybe so. And I do want to talk about that too, because that's actually it. That's like, that's, I got something there as well. Um, and that was that was a beautiful. Just to go there real quick, what a beautiful throw! What a beautiful. I mean, we're not going to talk a lot about Russ, so might as well real quickly on the What If Show, not to name drop our own show seventeen times, but you know, we talked about Garrett Warlow. Number one, that was our big prediction, and number two, we talked about the return of the sexy deep ball. And my mama Cleo crystal ball was out, and I said you could bet the rent they're going to hit a forty-five plus yard touchdown. To one of our dudes. And lo and behold, 50, I think it was 55 yard touchdown to lock it. And overall, the sexy deep ball was, you know, didn't hit all of them. You're just not going to. But boy, oh boy, was the SDBs back in town. And that was that was super fun to see. That was see, fun. Yeah. You know what? I, th- I think you're right. I think it was Gabe Jackson. There was only two. Pen- there were only two penalties on the offense that were charged in this game. And one of them was Gabe Jackson. So that would have had to have been the only one. It was just that. When uh, when they did the ref call and I looked up at the board, it was uh, it was Damian Lewis. They were showing walking off the field. So I I just thought maybe the the camera operator in the stadium needs was identifying the, yeah. the penalty. Yeah, he needs to do better. So you defend Penny's <laughs> honor. I defend Lewis's honor. Circle of life. Let's get back to it. In. But just to be clear, Damian Lewis got the out, but you're defending his honor on multiple outs. Correct. <laughs> the math checks out. Brandon, my son, his name's Jackson, he's 11 years old. His favorite burger joint is, believe it or don't, it's McDonald's. And it's not like I've only taken the kid to McDonald's. I've, I've, I've taken him to the different, the different, the five guys is the, the other things that are available to us. Um, you know, the, the local joints that are only here up in this part of Connecticut. 
yet a double quarter pounder from McDonald's is that's his jam. That's that is his jam. His, that's his favorite burger. And I'm like, why do you like it so much? He's like, he's like, it's always the same. He's like, it's just so, which is, hey, that's, that's, that's McDonald's, right? Quality control. Right. You go to Japan, you go here. There might be a different topping, but, but boy, oh boy, the meat is the meat. So I'm going to double quarter pounder this, this in here because it's so important. We'll get through it though. So it is Q1, seven to three, 51 seconds to go. And the ball is on the Houston 43 and it's second and seven. Seattle's got the ball, right? Yeah. This became my favorite play of the game and then leads to something something I want to talk about, which makes it the double quarter pounder with cheese, the Royale with cheese, the double. The thing I loved here was we approach the entire game differently with Rashad Penny. And it's very interesting. The, the amount of trap plays, the amount of, and, and again, maybe it's just back to Waldron having a full complement of like spices on the rack to be like, ooh, I could finally cook the stew the way I want to. But the the amount of the motions and the trap plays, they are just really, really just off the charts higher. So on this particular play, going back to Damian Lewis, you got Lewis, he pulls, right? So he's pulling around to, to his right side from left to right. And then Russ is doing a play action to Penny. And it looks very much like, okay, here comes another trap inside play which Penny's been gashing them with, or the Seahawks have been gashing them with up into that point, like really, really effective. Nope. Russ pulls it down and in time, favorite play of the game hits Will Disley in stride for, I don't know what it is, like 17, 18, something. 25. It was 25 yards. Holy cow. There you go. A 25 yard gain. When I saw that as a unit, right? As like a thing together, I'm like, that is what this offense is supposed to look like all year long. And it was beautiful. And it, it, to me, it was like, holy cow, it is all stemming from this idea, it looked like to me, that we're running more trap, running it more effectively, and we've got all this, this motion going on where you've got blue pulling, you got the D moving, you got play action, and then you, you work the middle of the field. So I, I, I loved it. And I, I just want to Actually, I'll pause there and, and you know, how'd that play look to you in real time? What was your, what was your vantage point? I mainly remember the fact that it was 25 yards because I, I remember looking at the fantasy stats up on the scoreboard at halftime. And Will Disley was among, I think, the top five tight end receiving leaders when it came to halftime. And he just nice. had the one catch. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that jumped out at me. And I think I know where you're going with this double quarter pounder. Yeah. I, think, I think I think we're going to have two tight ends as the meat in this double quarter pounder. No, but I but I like I like that. Uh, sorry, oh. sorry. So you know and I and I, and I, I like what I, I saw. From, yeah, no, it's okay. I like what I saw from Everett too. I, it's the double quarter pounder with cheese because the very next play is that Rashad Penny ba- you know bounce out to the right-hand side and I and again it's it's the motion and, and this time you got D so everybody's lined up super tight. There are no like wideouts in that scenario. D. Eskridge is the, the farthest left. He is just off the edge. That's it. On the snap, he goes directly across the formation and he gets this loopy, like almost a candy cane block just enough on his guy. And to Penny's credit, Penny jumps inside and then bursts it outside. And again, to me, and so the, the love there was, was for D. Eskridge's block. Great run by Penny, great execution. But I want to give the rookie in a day where he doesn't show up in the stat line, I want to give him some love there. But the the, the double quarter pounder together is like those two plays back to back 
with that kind of motion and that kind of cross formation quickness, that is what the offense was supposed to look like all along. And I just hope it's not too little too late. Not even talking about playoffs. I'm talking about the next year of our evolution with this potential offense. Like that was crisp. That was chunk plays and using the middle of the field and using dudes of misdirection and just ways that we haven't seen in weeks. So that's the double quarter pounder with cheese. I hope it's a juicy one for you. Yeah, well, I, I thought that uh, the other tight end, Gerald Everett, would fit into this double quarter pounder with cheese because it was later in the game where they used that motion. And it was the handoff to him that allows him to pick up the 13 yards. So it was it's kind of in that same mold of the different types of play calls, the the going in motion. And then, you know, you can get Everett involved without even having to throw to him and risk him bubbling it twice and punting it up into the air to the other team. This you just straight hand off to him, allow him to redeem himself, run over some dudes and be the physical guy that we know we've we've seen in previous weeks and picking up 13 yards. Folks, that is how you make a double quarter pounder with cheese, a triple quarter pounder with cheese. That's the end. We're on to the out, the uh, the, the 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 sober yin side here, Brandon. Um, and it was not not a word free game. An out for me, and I'm going to just put it out there as a fairly macro topic. It is not getting DK Metcalf his touchdown. And I realize we win by 20. And and I brought you know you brought up before the the Damian Lewis wait no was Gabe Jackson hold went back and watched that I don't think there's a hold there now Gabe Jackson gets beat very badly yes. however I don't think he held I think he literally almost like let's not literally not literally almost he literally let's go with the guy and puts his arms up which maybe is not the best idea it's like it's like you <laughs> oh, know there's a guy with his arms yeah, up that's yeah, the it's guy like, who committed yeah, the penalty correct correct it's like you know driving a, a 92 miles an hour in a 55 in a red, in a red Porsche right you might you might get flagged but i don't think he i don't think he did the crime actually i think it was just a bad call and a beautiful ball to Metcalf and the thing is Metcalf is getting so close there was another another one down the left hand side where Russ just sells it. And then, of course, a play, it's an out, but I loved the in to Metcalf at the goal line where Russ throws it behind him mm-hmm. uh, just a little bit. Not 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 one of Russ's best throws. He just, it's just way too, you know, way to uh Metcalf's right side as he's as he's charging left. But the usage is there. You know, there's again going back to Twitter and listen to a lot of different fantasy podcasts like what's wrong with DK Metcalf? What it's and they go and they don't watch the games. They don't watch the games. I'm like, nothing. There's a 20-something yard touchdown that gets called back. There's a play at the goal line where Russ just misses him. And there's a couple of plays the last few weeks where, where DK is open and Russ is just, you know, he's not a hundred percent yet. He's getting way, way better. It's coming. That's the whole point of this is I'm upset as a Seahawks fan that we don't have the DK game yet. It's coming. It is coming. So, but I am, I am upset. It isn't out because I want DK to get some, I think he's still at nine touchdowns or the, or his ninth touchdown was called back with the holding. I want DK in double digits and you know, we're running out of little room here, Brandon. Yeah. I think there is still time for him though, to get some of those big numbers with a few games left in the season. And gosh, I look at the things that he is on track to accomplish. And it's I mean, it's things like passing Joey Galloway for the most yards in his first three seasons. It's you know getting a thousand yards again, uh, back to back seasons. I, I think those are things that are possible for him still. 
I just wonder that if the Seahawks approach and game plan, I, I don't know if Lonnie Johnson is all that great, but he was the one who was lining up on DK Metcalf most of the day. And I don't know the hierarchy of Texans cornerbacks well enough to say. How dare that you? If, How dare you, Brandon? <laughs> I know. I don't think either of them are good. So that's why I think it's difficult to tell. But if they're going to pay more attention to DK and knowing that Tyler Lockett is still probably Russell Wilson's favorite target, then, and maybe there's no, no probably about that. Tyler Lockett is Russell Wilson's favorite target. Let me, let me interject there just for a second. From a target's perspective, there's a different argument to be made there. Metcalf has eight, three games in a row with, I think, eight targets each. So, you know, while who, I think, who are the sexy deep balls going to? Well, they go the mainly they're going to Tyler or the completions are going to Tyler. You know, yeah, Met, Metcalf what's, has had what's Russell's favorite pass to throw? The sexy deep ball. I rest my case. Okay. Uh, that's, you know, uh, yeah, fine, I guess, right? These are some magic grits we're talking about here. Um, however, I, case I, closed, I, declare a mistrial. <laughs> the DK game is a coming. The DK game is a coming. The targets are still there. He's going to get it back. And I, I want those touchdowns for that guy, man. So I want, I want, I want all things. This is America, right? It's like, why can't we have both? I want, I want, I Tyler. want DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to have 150 yard receiving games, Gerald Everett and Will Disley to have a hundred yards receiving each and, and, uh, and, and, and a healthy mix of D Eskridge. Bingo. Let's get to that last in. Brandon, 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 Brandon. That name will always remind me of you. So here we are. We've got <laughs> we've got this last got this last glorious in. You know me, I think pretty darn well, especially as a Seahawks fan and in other parts of life. We've, we've become we've become friends through the years, which is very nice. I, I cherish that. You know, not not being soft here on the air, but but I do. Um, I cherish our friendship. I cherish it. With that. A game like this cannot, I told you I wouldn't give you pop quizzes because it's early. This one's a layup though. And so this is like, this is like the dating game or like whatever that, you know, you got to know something about your partner type thing. I can't watch this game and not pour some love on a particular gentleman, a particular large gentleman. I can't not do it. Where is this last in going for me? When two players on a basketball team get very comfortable with each other, it's, you know, the alley-oop is the easiest play uh, to make. And it's it's fun to watch. And, you know, you just toss it up there and the, the other guy slams it down. And uh, yes, big thigh arms Al Woods. You know, a guy who I'd like to see dunk is thigh arms Al Woods. He would destroy the hoop. I think he could dunk. I think he might be able to get, you know, get more air than, than Nick Ballore, right? Um, yeah, it is. It's going to be old thigh arms. And, 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 a, and thank you. you know, thank you for validating my, my feelings there. I knew you'd get it. Um, and I'm hopeful that like half the, the listeners probably got it too, which is, which is, which is awesome. Um, we're going to talk a little Rex Burkhead. This is the Rex Burkhead podcast. That, and let me go check my notes. Garrett, Garrett Warlow for the, uh, for the SEO, for his, for his, uh, for his love. <laughs> The play here, now there were a lot of plays here. There's the sack, there's other plays. But 10 to 7, first and goal from the Seattle 1. Seattle 1 yard line, Houston's got the ball. It's a 10-7 ball game. And it's, again, I know the outcome, so my point of view is different. And people in the stadium, people on Twitter are probably like, what the heck is happening? Why can't we stop these guys? So it is first and 1 from the 1. 
This is just after the Cooks touchdown that wasn't a touchdown. They called it back. They called it the you know the wrong way. They call it back, et cetera, et cetera. This is vintage old firearms, Al Woods. The ball is hiked. So he he blasts past Britain, whoever the uh, I think the right guard is. They're all crashing down left. He is in the backfield in like it, not even a heartbeat. And for a big man to move like that, amazing. He hits Burkhead about two yards deep. Burkhead's a strong dude. I'm not sure if it goes officially down as a tackle for a loss, but in my book, it certainly does. And then the cascading effect of the Texans do not get in the end zone and have to kick a chip shot to only make it 10 to 10. Al Woods played a heck of a game. And I think no other play encapsulates old firearms' play, you know, play that on the day than that particular beautiful stop at the one yard line. I love me some Al Woods and I was fired up for that play, man. Yeah, and, and the the unfortunate thing is, is that Al Woods is not even going to get credited for the tackle on this play because Houston ended up lining up with an illegal formation on this particular play. So that is what moved him back to the five yard line on the next play. So, yeah, he, he gets the tackle for no gain, but uh, they they take the, the officials take that tackle off the board for him because, well, the, the Texans couldn't figure out how to line up right. But yes, that that. Uh, just showed you like the the defense and Al Woods. There there were multiple times. Gosh, it was on the very first play of the game where they ran. I think it was Rex Burkhead right into the middle of the line, and Al Woods was there to get the first tackle on the day. And I I was telling the people around me, hey, if they're gonna run at the middle of our defensive line right into Al Woods all day, this is gonna be a long day for the Houston Texans. So a I forgot that that the the misformation by the Texans actually strips away the beautiful play on you know which is nice. This is why three and three out exists to not even just the nooks and crannies, but the the disappearing nooks and crannies off the stat line and the love to, to Al Woods. And there was also other parts of the game where it's like, didn't really see much from Puna Ford. And I know Monet got dinged and was out. There were times where Burkhead was, was eating his lunch up the middle, where we were getting blown off the ball up the middle. But then there were these other moments and enough of them, enough volume where it was tackles for a loss or tackles right at the line of scrimmage where either a negative play or putting them into like second and nine, second and 10, third and eight, just enough of those that, that especially in the second half, you can start to see where Mills was what 15 for 15 or 14 for 14 to start the game. And then at one point he's 20 for 30. It was very reminiscent to last week when Seattle started 0 for four on third down conversions, but then they end up five for 15. It's like, okay, well that's a really terrible start, but Clearly, it got better. And the same thing here, because clearly the Texans did not, just like the 49ers last week, Brandon, the Texans did not score a point in the second half of this game. And I do, and I do want to give a little bit more love for Al Woods's, I don't know what you want to call it, like a very, very happy infant baby celebration. Like he's in the, he's in the, <laughs> you know, the, the cradle and he's doing the little, the little like, you know, T-Rexy arm fist pumps while he's on his back. And uh, I don't know, that's just cute. Okay. Since you brought it up though. What was the deal with the roughing the snapper call? Because yeah. I, I I could not see. Now, the Texans long snapper, he might have been the smallest dude in an NFL uniform I've ever seen in my life. And so if Al Woods just brushes up against or maybe even breathes on the Texans long snapper, I can see why that might draw an unnecessary roughness call because he's just he's that brittle and fragile compared to Al Woods, especially. I could see how there might be some roughness 
just involved there. Yeah. And, and you know, so he, the dude's not exactly mano mano the slender out there. Uh, and I, I went back and watched it because like, because you would text me like, hey, what was up with that? And I'm like, I don't know. And I went and Googled the, the rule being like, OK, what's the rule? And it looks to me like you can't line up. And if you are lined up over the snapper, the scent, you know, the, the, the long snapper, then you can't touch him. I think that's the rule. But then I watched the replay and I'm like, well, Woods is not exactly over the dude. He's in the gap, certainly. And I just don't know if that then it's just a subjective call where it's like, hey, 300 pound guy, you can't be hitting, you know, Al Bundy from Pokai days there. You, you got you got you to lay off the guy because he doesn't really hit him hard. He like bumps his shoulder and the, the you know the 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 frail uh, elderly man steps back a few feet, and then, then a flag goes flying. Well, and the other thing was is that I don't know if they talked about it on the broadcast at all, but Tyler Ott, I, I think he got hit at some point because he was over on the sideline, kind of you know working his shoulder a little bit, and ended up doing a long snap over on the sidelines afterward. And I don't know if it was discussed at all, but he seemed to get dinged somehow. But there was there was no call on him. Yeah, so there's there's no parody in the NFL is what I'm hearing when it comes to when it comes to long snappers. There's there's no but again Tyler Ott is like a, a normal football size player. So right, so that's just what you get if you bring out a dude who's like you know 140 pounds, like soaking wet. He's he's a tag team champion out there. The dude you know, like Ricky the Dragon steamboat style that can go off the top ropes. Uh, well, then you can't touch the guy. There's rules we don't know about yet. This is. You know, it's, hey, the NFL is the biggest season ever, right? 17 games. And apparently they snuck this in. We didn't know. That's all there is to it. Last out, Brandon. And then, of course, we have a little little celebration to do. Little, you know, Garcon, your finest champagne when we get to the Brandon. But we got to get to the out, the last out. It's 16 to 10, about 50 seconds to go in quarter two. And... What was a little annoying to me is we, well, besides the, the missed, the missed PAT, whatever, Myers made his field goal. So fine. Uh, we won by 20. So who cares? Uh, you know, get, get those out, get those out in a game like this, but we're kicking the ball off with 50 seconds to go and we're up 16 to 10 and the Texans try a little razzle dazzle on the kickoff where they do a little end around and we, and we got three dudes, three dudes right there. And we called out Radigan last week for for making a bad special teams play. And I hate to put John Radigan on blast again. And I think it was also uh, Heslop who didn't Heslop end up getting dinged like the very last play of the game, like bad. He did, yeah, it was yeah, a really brutal sucks. injury. Yeah. So, so I don't want, I don't want to you know cast any anything worse than that. What that guy has on his life, not even the the, the juju of it. So I'm just going to focus on Radigan, but also Radigan deserves it anyway. And pile on top of him because army got beat by Navy. This, this is the perfect time to pile okay. on top of Radigan uh, and talking about the double quarter pounder with cheese. I'm, this one's more like a, like a Mick double. I'm also going to say, go back and watch that play. The effort by DJ Dallas is just not good enough. He kind of mm. breaks down. He's right there. And it, it, doesn't even look like he tries to fight through his guy. What it looks like is like DJ Dallas is like, I'm just going to take this position. So whoever that was that, that took the end around can't get around me, which is not a, you know, to, to his right-hand side, if you will, but he doesn't do anything else. So once Radigan does miss, miss the tackle, the guy's gone and he goes up the field for what, like 30 more yards, which ends up in a long field goal attempt, what, 61 friggin' yards that he nails. I think that was a 61 yarder. It was 61 um, yards, yeah. Yeah, that, that he nails. I mean, nails by a lot too. I was like, that's damn, that's that's a fine kick. So it's it's 
hey, if we're going to make a run, and now we're two games in, and, and it, every week is the playoffs, so we've got to win out. We can't be sloppy on special teams. So it's Radigan, but I, I implore people, if you have the access to it, go watch. What is, what is DJ Dallas doing in that particular play? Because he sure as heck wasn't trying to make a tackle. This was frustrating because it, was, it wasn't it was as though the razzle-dazzle was something that fooled the Seahawks' no. coverage. It was that there were dudes missing tackles that shouldn't be missing tackles that ultimately allowed that to get upfield the way it did. And yeah, it was that was frustrating to see. It wasn't that it was just, yeah, oh, such a great play that that I was shocked that or that I wasn't shocked that the Seahawks special teams unit couldn't uh, couldn't make the tackle there. It was also frustrating that when you score a touchdown on one play, that long, sexy, deep ball from Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett for 55 yes. yards, the, the, the one play and the touchdown, you're not thinking, oh, well, Davis Mills is coming out. You don't leave time on the clock for Davis Mills with one minute left to go until halftime. You're thinking, oh, this is fine. Like, what are they going to do And within one minute with Mills at quarterback? And it ultimately, it ends up, oh, they're kicking a 61-yard field goal. And fortunately, that's not what gave them any kind of momentum coming out in the second half. Although the Seahawks, they didn't do anything with that, that first drive there. It feels like that could have been a critical score if things in that second half go a little bit differently. Uh, yeah, it's it's just when we play better talents, which is coming right around the bend, um, these are the types of things that we like to talk about because it's the stuff that we can't do as as we go forward. The dude should have been tackled at the 11-yard line. Like you said, there was no fooling. It wasn't like, oh, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you get got. You're like, well, you, you tip your hat and you go play the next down. That wasn't the case. It was it was self-inflicted, an unforced error, if you will. We just can't have those things. So, you know, Radigan, Army Navy, you lose. I'll give I'll give Brandon some love there, being the <laughs> Navy guy. Army Navy, Navy takes it. You're on the outside of the ledger two weeks in a row, bub. Two weeks in a row. So we expect, we expect you to redeem yourself next week versus the Rams. We will not be going his direction three weeks in a row because that would be disaster for us. We might end up on the Radigan radar. Brandon, I'll say this. I'll say this, Brandon. Sometimes if an out is a special teams play, very often we win that game. So maybe it's a deal we're willing to make. Just saying, Brandon. <laughs> just saying. All right. We, we got one more thing to bounce to. Well, we got a couple things to bounce to. But the next thing that we're going to bounce to, not only when we win, do we start with an in. We know this already. I had to be reminded by Brandon. Thank you very much. But another thing that we invented in 2020, because it was a year that needed needed some some other juice, was that when the Seahawks do win, we get one additional in. That's the brand in. It's his serve. I go to the baseline. I wait for it. It's 40 love Brandon. And he's serving up his best ace. How about it? Well, I know you you tangentially gave an in as part of the uh, McDouble, McTriple, uh, or the quarter pounder. <laughs> That's what it was. The triple quarter pounder that we ended up smashing together earlier on in the show. But I, I'm going to go... And maybe this is a little obvious. I'm going to give my brand in to Rashad Penny. And I'm going to go to a micro moment because nice. it was on that first touchdown drive of Rashad Penny's where he's, you know, it's it's not the the dancing through the hole that that, that really that got me excited. It was toward the end of the run. He has one guy to beat and his in his left hand, he's fighting off the Texans defender. And he's able to to physically get that guy off of him enough to where he can get around him and get in for the long touchdown. And it is that one-on-one -on -one moment 
between Rashad Penny and the Texans defender to fight through that, get the touchdown. Rashad Penny with the in. I like that. I, I like it. I, you know, I like that it's, it's hey, giving some more love to Rashad Penny. Obviously, the, he deserves his shine overall, and, and that'll be the main talk, whether it is fantasy podcast or just Seahawks podcast. A lot of it's going go to go to Penny this week. Um, he's differently shaped than Maurice Jones-Drew. You know, he was more of a bowling ball type guy. However, uh, you know, Penny's a little bit, I think, just taller and stuff like that. Yeah. However, on that play, he's he's kind of reminding me of like MJD at his best. When MJD was like super effective, it wasn't just a dude, who, you know, a dude that's kind of got some unique quickness to him and can get through these holes and and then have enough, get you know, getaway, breakaway speed. And then, you know, MJD was also like known as that little bowling ball. Like he would just bounce off dudes like and Rashad had some of that. He's stiff arming him. He just says, get off me. And he's down the right hand side for the touchdown. I, I listen, I'm here for the Rashad Penny redemption arc. I would love nothing more, nothing more than to go into this offseason after we are ho- hosting and you know, hoisting the Lombardi with the greatest comeback tale of, of all history here. And the main topics are not what Russell Wilson's doing because he just won you know, his second Super Bowl, but it's right. like, are we going to re-sign Rashad, Rashad Penny? Because he just sure looked good down the stretch and was a, it was a key, a key to our, our playoff victories. Um, that, that would that be a nice twist. That in the offseason would be a nice change of pace from last offseason. Like too much pitching in baseball, bring it on, right? That That's a lovely thing to have. So love that, Brandon, Brandon. <laughs> so we got the brand in, in. That means it is time. It is time to start etching into the trophy, the MVC. That's it. The most valuable cranny. You know, again, it's a real trophy. We'll be, we'll be shipping it out to the PNW. It'll be at the VMAC. And you know, again, when I was down here, every Seahawks fan that I talked to, they they wanted to know after the game, they're like, who do you think gets the MVC this week? Right, because right. I know I've heard so much about this trophy and how it is a real thing. Um, is it something that you get to see, Brandon, before it goes to the player's locker? Is it something that you are the one physically etching the name into? There's just a lot of excitement and interest around this trophy. There's a lot of buzz, right? I mean, I think in the hierarchy of I ran, sports- I ran into D. Eskridge's parents at, uh, at one of the Seahawkers events, and they're like, you know- uh, this, I've heard a lot about this MVC trophy and, you know, we'd really like to see it go into D's locker at some point. Um, well, well, you know what, you know what, you making my dreams come true here, Brandon, <laughs> and, and you're making D Eskridge's parents dreams come true because the MVC is that block from D Eskridge that springs penny. Yes, <laughs> That's, that's the play. It's the play of the game. A dude who gets, you know, I don't think uh, an attempt Called his way, does, no no jet sweeps, doesn't really touch. I don't think he touched the ball. Across the formation, Shane the main brain, uh, you know, full concepting, everything hitting, and he gets a key, key block. Penny reads it the right way and goes down the sideline. It's D, the MVC, the MVD. It is D Eskridge's for the week. Look for it in his locker room. He wears number one, number one in the field, number one in our hearts, number one for the MVC this week 14. If you want to become a member of the flock, you can go to getintheflock.com or patreon.com slash flock and get in there with a a donation of $3 a month or more. You get into our Discord. There's a three in, three out channel. You can post your ins, post your outs. You can also tweet at Clinton Bond on Twitter. Use the hashtag 3I3O. And this is the time of the show where we get to your comments. 
Yes, if Brandon's telling you how you can join, it means we are at the From the Flock section. Let's start with one from the Seahawkers Pod Ring of Honor out on Facebook with Kevin Dietrich, 3i, 3o. Real quick, I like this. He goes, in, Penny as our featured RB. In, Russ going to his checkdowns. That's right, Kevin. In, old thigh arms making trouble. I like that phraseology. In, Amadi making good on his opportunities. All right, out, using Mayo in coverage. True fact, out. Myers missing extra points. Brandon, do you see a little numerology trick that Kevin pulled right here in this first, this first in? Well, he went with four ins and two outs. That's right. He says, I see your brand in. I'm going to raise you a Kev in. He goes four (laughs) and two. I like it. Yes. Jason Turner goes three straight ins in zero sacks on Wilson. That's something that we hadn't yet talked about. In to Michael Dixon, a big punt day for Michael. And Mm. some nice punts, too. And an in to Penny not getting injured. Yes, there there was all the commentary around me of Seahawks fans. It's like, wow, Penny's having a great game and he's not coming off the field injured. Yeah, beautifully done by Jason Turner here. We didn't talk about zero sacks on Wilson. And the thing, it's like, hey, yes, keeping a clean sheet is something we don't get a lot. And but but the consequence of that is, is it any surprise like healthy Russ? No sacks equals the sexy deep balls made a comeback. I mean, I did, I think it's a very logical thing. Speaking of logic, speaking of oh, beauty. The, the, before oh, we go, go ahead, on, you, though, yeah, I, I do want to say that the way that the offensive line played, if it's not the Texans defensive line, like if the if the offensive line blocks the way it does next week against the Rams, Russ is not going to have as many escapes from the Rams defensive line as he did from the Texans defensive line. So I I don't want to give a ton of credit to the offensive line because I I just I I saw Russ trying to have to make escapes more than I felt comfortable with in this game. Now, he was able to do it, but I, I don't think that the zero sacks is indicative of the way that the offensive line played. I think that's a great call out. I also think you're correct, just straight across the board and what it means for next week. You know, even the 55 yard 60 deep ball, Russ is escaping, you know, <laughs> escaping from uh, his life, gets boots outside on, on his own accord, finds his own pocket. Right. And then creates the the beautiful, the beautiful moment with Tyler Lockett, who's swimming in the end zone with his 55 yard touchdown, the way that Tyler does things going over a thousand yards for the third straight year to match one Hall of Famer, Steve Largent. Uh, we're going to talk about ma- matching a Hall of Famer here, Kenneth Reyes, with a beautiful video. Man, oh man, did, this is live from, from the stadium. He was, you know, just end, end zone, probably four or five, maybe eight, 10 rows back. He has a lovely video that's posted in the uh, for the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. And it's Penny with that first touchdown run down the right-hand side, a great viewpoint. And he says, in this guy. I mean, I know he's talking about Penny, but I commented in the comments. I go, you talking about D. Eskridge making that great hook block there? Because <laughs> I'm talking about D. Yes. And Kenneth is one of the the listeners that I did not get a chance to run into down here. It's always it's always like it's great running into so many people, but it's also disappointing when you know that somebody is like within uh, just a few within the stadium with you and you, and you don't run into them. It was, uh, I, I'm really disappointed. I didn't get to run into Kenneth, but uh, next year, uh, next year, Michael Paul, hopefully we'll see him. I, I kind of want to go to the San Diego, AKA Los Angeles chargers game mm. next year. And, and maybe we see Michael Paul down there, but uh, he has of course a call out 
And I think we, if we're talking Michael Paul, we know where he's going. He says, go ahead, Clinton. You can say it. I know you can. I know it hurts you inside, but you could do it in pick a play by you know who. Suck it, haters. And aren't you glad we have him right now? Where would we be starting AP again? Homer Collins didn't look good at all today. All true things. And no, he's not talking about Al Woods. He's talking about, he's not talking Al Woods. He's not talking Al Bundy. This ain't Pokai. He's talking about the San Diego State Aztecian himself. My man's talking about Rashad Penny. Michael Paul's been a believer. And I've been on the other side of that coin. So Michael Paul, it's, you know, I am genuflecting this time of year and I want, I want at least four, I, you know, you know, the chant four more years. I want four more weeks. Give me four more weeks of good Rashad. I'm, I'm disappointed in Michael Paul because it was just two weeks ago where he's like, okay, guys, okay. I'm ready to admit it. I, I think it's time to throw in the towel. If he would have held out for two more weeks, then he would have, he would have missed. He would have jumped over that moment and be like, if he would have just stuck to his guns for two more weeks. It would have uh, given him so much more joy, I think. A little more, a little more, cre- a little more street cred as it is. But however, the prodigal son can return to his love for Rashad Penny, and we could be there for that. We don't, we don't gotta. It's, we talked about it earlier, man. Love is not zero sum. So if I want to pour some love in, into Rashad, it's not taking away love from somebody else. Four, four more weeks, man. Four more weeks of great Rashad, and then if things break our way. You know, you know what happens after that. All right, Chris Boucher, he's always known what's happening. Dude's a great fan. He's saying 3-I-3-0 from inside the stadium. He goes in the block by D. Eskridge on Rashad Petty's touchdown. He knew it was up. He knew it was up. And Chris, I did have a chance to hang out with. We we had awesome. Uh, we got to hang out and, and watch that terrible ending to the Bengals Niners game together. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I know B- it was, Bungles. it was fun being, it was fun being a Bengals fan for just a, only for a few moments. Yeah. Like I think I tweeted you saying, yep. Second time in my life I've been burnt. You know, I was a Bengals fan during the icky shuffle and that blew up with the, 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 the John Taylor touchdown. Yeah. yeah. The John Taylor <laughs> touchdown from uh, Mr. Joe Montana. And uh, so that's one time I poured my heart into the Bengals and uh, you know, and you know, Hey, the Bengals are going to bungle. They tried their best and their best didn't do. <laughs> And in from Beast Mode 24 in the Discord, in Sidney Jones for a nice tackle on third and two on the Texans' second drive of the game. Yes, and yeah. Jones came up and just laid the wood uh, to one of the outside receivers. Yep, I love this play. I love that Chris uh, called it out. It was on. It was on the original ledger of like that's a good play. And once I saw it in the from the flock, I was like, cool. Like let, let Chris take that one because. But a great stick, a great open field stick. And again, if you're not talking a lot about a corner, I realize that. Houston Texans are not the most talented team, but if you're not talking a lot about a corner, then that's probably a good thing. So, you know, some, some goodness for, for our corners out there who are doing once again, a nice job. All right. Josh DeHuman, he's got two ins, Jake Curran helping the rushing attack and assisting Penny with getting yards in Penny. I think he says having 59 yards on six touches and a touchdown. Obviously he was taking it at that point. Um, yeah, about he's saying at that point, 10 yards a rush. There was a moment in the third quarter where I was like, why are we throwing the ball so much when the inside trap game was working so darn well? I was like, why are we still hucking this thing around? Like, we, let, let's let's bury this game with with, the, with, with some more runs, um, which we didn't do, but we still we still get the points later. And in from Car Car, just pointing out that Russ, it does feel like he's back. Car Car says, not feeling dread every time Wilson throws the football. And another in from Car Car that corresponds, lock it, hitting 1,000 yards and just being a badass. 
Yeah. And I, I love me some Tyler Lockett. It's, he's, to me, he's like the next gen Doug Baldwin, very different player, but just, you know, overwhelmingly underrated. If you could put those two words together in, in the, in the English language, um, just consistently underrated for what he does, how good he is. And it's another situation where fantasy football digs into how good Lockett really is. When I say digs in, I mean like Lockett being up and down last year. People are like, oh, he's not consistent. It's like, no, dude, when you get Tyler Lockett, his his attempts, he is he's uber consistent. You just got to get the dude his attempts and he will come through. And he's a type of player where you don't have to throw it 12 times to him. I'd love to see it, but he doesn't need 12 you know, attempts to go have a 140-something yard day with a touchdown. He could do that on five or six tosses because he's just that good. All right, we're talking B-Wags, biceps. I like this one. In, Ugo being everywhere. We didn't whisper once about Ugo. No, but, but he, 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 he had he some unworthy out, plays. Yes, he sure he definitely did. Go, you know, and any come to mind from you while you were there? Uh, I think there was one where Mills was looking to throw to the left side, and Ugo d- jumps up in the air and, and does his, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon swat away. Yeah, be a beautiful job. He does his his, his best Dunlap getting his mitts on it, and it's it's a nice play because because there is a lane like it's it Mills. But sees you're it. you're not even going to recognize that I'm in Houston and just brought up oh, Hakeem. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hakeem right. the dream. You, you went. I, I you know what? I I need to stop what I'm doing and not ruin your your uh, beautiful reference there. I was like, you know, that's more like a Dikembe <laughs> Mutombo type thing. But sure, you know, I'll allow Olajuwon. But no, you're sitting in Houston, Texas. Two-time champion, Hakeem, the dream, Olajuwon. Yes. Okay, thank you. Good thank channeling. You. You're thank welcome. You, for you, were, you were right to call that out. Nailed the reference, and I just I couldn't let you gloss over it. You're right. <laughs> and out from Beast Mode 24, Myers missing two PATs. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It was, one was the, the doink, the stoink, the whole thing. And after uh, some amazing plays, too, it's like, I, I hate the, uh, I, I just want the party to continue after an amazing play. And it just, it puts a little bit of a wet blanket on it. It does. And I want to give a little silver lining here to say, because they missed that first one, we got that beautiful two-point conversion, which by the way, I'm still yes. not convinced we know how to run a two-point conversion very well. No, like, no, no. The, the, the plays we run are like backyard, somebody get open and Russ is going to do, <laughs> you know, probably do a Russell Wilson thing. And that's all this was. It was like, all right, let's put five guys out there. You make a, you know, make a left at the stop sign. You, you know, you, you come back once you get to the second car, like literally they're playing street football. And in this particular case, Russ puts a ball, a beautiful two point conversion to lock it. So we're going to take a, an out inside the from the flock section and say, well, what are those PATs? Uh, this, yeah. you know, it's funny you bring that up because there's a lot of times where I hear analysts say or, or talk about, you know, the two point conversion play. We don't have one. <laughs> we don't have well, one. Well, how do you how do you not have one? Like there aren't aren't there short yardage plays, plural? Can you not just pick a play that you would normally run, I don't know, on third and two, at which you can have a third and two at any point on the field. Is there not is there not a playbook for just all short yardage plays? Are there really special plays like is there a part of the playbook that you have just the two point conversion plays that you that you slot in? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, here's the thing, though. It may not make sense, but that's the reality. And there is a a special two point playbook. It is it's a thing. It's physical. And currently we don't have one in our possession. 
It's, it's we don't have so Russ just gets in the huddle and goes, I don't know, guys, just just try and get just, do a little do a little wiggle. Yeah. yeah. He's got the bottle caps out there and he's got stick, he's drawn in the dirt. Like it is that's our two-point plays, which for this team, we're gonna hit about 50% of the time because Russ is Russ and we got talent out there. But I'm with you. Is there are there are there not plays that are that that we see? Oh, I don't know. The Kansas City Chiefs run like you know with incredible consistency and just oh yeah, we need two yards. Here's a way to get two yards. But no, we don't have that playbook. I think it's like an achievement we can unlock. It's probably because Waldron's a rookie. They just don't give it to a rookie coordinator. But if he gets to a certain point in the season, he gets the two point conversion playbook. We just haven't earned it yet, which I'm okay with. All right, we got beast mode. Once again, he goes punt pornography. Anytime I know, I know Chris Beast Mode Twenty Four has a lot of these. But if you're going to call out Michael Dixon with the punt hub and the whole thing already, then I'm going to call you out and say, "Good job by recognizing our Australian punter." Yeah, stealing content from the Seahawks nest. I, I'm yes. always, I'm always here for that. Yes. Design Pete's Beach House in two shutouts, second halves in a row. Yeah, uh, that was that's, and I asked her too. I was like, "Does this mean we do six? Is this is that you know tantamount to a whole game of a shutout? And then do we get to do six ins?" It was a no. It was a no on that. So we'll we'll save that for hopefully later in the year if we get I just, to run. I just hope we're going for the shutout second half turkey uh, against the Rams this Ooh, coming. I like week. that. I like that. Three three in a row would be would be super nice. That'd be that'd be a great way to end that game for sure. All right. So we got Frost with with a, a, a his own three in a row in. He says, Penny revenge game with the two long touchdowns, over 100 yards, and he's got other stuff there too. In, he's got defense aside of the first drive. Hey, they it was six points. Bottom line is six more points after that first drive. I don't care if it's the Houston Texans or the Houston Rockets. It, it don't matter. Six points is six points and a great job. He's also saying, in, credit where it's due. Swain had a decent return on one of his punts. He's right. Swain was a little bit better back there and he had a couple of nice returns. So I like that that Frost is looking at the nooks and the crannies and we're talking punt returns because that's what we do here. Scott Harrigan comes in, says in to Rashad Penny for all his yards and two touchdowns out third down offense. And I had to take a look because I I thought that the third down offense was okay. And they were seven of 13 on the day that generally you get above 50%. Pete Carroll will take that now. Maybe it's because it's the Houston Texans. You expect it to be a little bit better than that. And they did have some of those short yardage moments that they couldn't convert on, especially inside the red zone. Uh, I, I can see why, especially early on, not getting that touchdown inside the red zone. That was frustrating. So I think Scott kind of keen in on that. Yeah. And and, and I thought, you know, um, that Russ did a nicer job of making things happen on third down and using the middle of the field quite a bit too. So that that felt better to me. And really, like again, two weeks in a row of what I thought was more decisive Russ. Just, you know, he gets a little, a little escapability, creates its own little pocket, steps up, and then boom, balls out of his hands. And again, very often over the middle, which which was just good to see this game. Speaking of good to see, I love this name. Tanky McGee. Tanky McGee in the Discord. Giving some love to D. Eskridge on the block for the penny touchdown. Hey, the more and more we can talk about the MVC and the phenomenal block and the whole thing already, we're going to call it out. So nice job, Tanky. Delwin giving the in to the TV commentary team, giving love to Al Woods and in to Al Woods for doing so well that he gets love from the commentary team. Yeah, that that's that's a McDouble we could all be proud of right there. So from from Australia, from down under with the double in, got to love that. We had Seahawks Samurai, who is at Larry underscore last Ronin out on Twitter. He goes, that hit on the snapper was 
some BS, by the way. Um, so at least according to the Seahawks samurai, that was lame. Well, good. I, I'm glad we have confirmation on that because I, I felt that it was lame in the moment. At Derek W zero on Twitter says, I can't stand watching soft zone coverage late in the game when I know we don't have to play off the receivers so far. We have good enough DVs to play tight, be aggressive, take a chance and get it done out. It's, you know, and I, I understand this frustration, but I, what I didn't know, and I wrote Derek back on Twitter, I said, Hey, if we're talking about when we're up 20 with a couple minutes left, I don't care. You know, like if that's, if that's the time, <laughs> if that's the time you're playing soft coverage and you're just like, dude, take your eight yards, stay in bounds. That's what you probably should be doing. Let's, let's talk about this though, because I, I agree to an extent that it doesn't matter because there is so little time left in the game that. Uh, whether or not you give up a score or multiple plays, really up 20 points, it doesn't matter. So if it doesn't matter, why not play more aggressive? I could be uh, because yeah, because they could <laughs> score a touchdown and go over the top quicker if you not just just give up the eight yard soft crap where you tackle the dude in bounds and the clock goes for another 20 seconds. Like I think or the ball logical. gets tipped and it kind of goes up in the air and Ryan Neal just has it coming Ugh. down into his bread basket and gets bumped by Quandre Diggs, who's running over. And I don't know if he was playing defense, knowing that they'd get better field position if Neal <laughs> dropped it. I don't know if Quandre was trying to impress his family who was in the stadium at the game. Uh, it's uh, it, it was it was a little bit frustrating. <laughs> I, I could see the Ryan Neal frustration come out uh, <laughs> after that play. How could you tell? Was it was it him doing the, the the plyometrics jumping right in front of him, going like, "Dude, that was my ball, dude." Is that how is that how it was evident I, to you? Because that's yeah, how I saw. Yeah, yeah, and it it, uh, it was um, when you do maybe the tenth plyometric jump on the field. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, you got Al Woods doing the, the baby fist pumping, and you got Neil doing the the, the, the plyometric neutron dance, and uh, and and they were on opposite ends of, of the spectrum with that one, which is which is wonderful. Tori Oz the Great 08 out on Twitter, out to Al Woods dropping into coverage in the first half. Yeah, I'm not sure that's an Al Woods problem so much as a, as a KNJ problem, but yeah, it was it was you know it's kind of funny. Just I was like it was I was like Al Woods is literally trying to cover that guy and it wasn't you're trying to get him the trifecta you, you know you got to get him the sack you got to get him the tackle for a loss and then drop him back into coverage to get the interception yeah like it's like a gordy Howe hat Ken trick Norton over Jr. There. wants to see al woods getting an interception this year and i maybe that maybe against the texans is when you you try and make that happen yeah very very uh very obvious and Bailey Liborn, not so obvious at Bailey Liborn out on twitter uh they've been chiming in a lot lately and very much appreciate it says that screen to Metcalf, it wasn't televised and it should be in it, I think. Um, I only saw the replay, so I didn't see that it wasn't televised. But yeah, uh, you know, hey, that again, we talked about yeah, Metcalf does need his touches and not to do the obvious things. Timing wise, that was a great time and it was a nicely, nicely, uh, you know, executed bubble to Metcalf. I like that. I like it. Brandon, cue the cue the song. You know, we got we got Mariano. I'm a, I'm a Mets fan. Pains me, but but it is what it is. I got great. Got to recognize great. Cue the music. Mariano Rivera coming out of the bullpen there. Enter Sandman is is slamming at the stadium, and of course the one, the only Hong Kong Hawk who right now who right now goes by 1994 Boston Hawk coming in with our final in to close us out. What's Dave got for us this week? Yes, he is. Uh, he's feeling the early 90s the Seahawks right now. 
And he comes in with the end to close it all out, saying, what did you think we were going to lose on 12-12? Yes, they, they, they capped off the date spectacularly. There was no way about it. It was, you know, from from Jump Street. It had to be. It lined up very nicely. Now, when we looked at it before the season, we were thinking maybe we're eight and five at this point. Maybe we're nine and four at this point. Hey, that ain't the case. However, Brandon, you and the Flockers, lots of different folks that travel really well down there. I'd say above above everything else, you got like a 60, de- 60 degree day. There was sunshine. I'm sure there were a few libations uh, for, for those who want to partake. You got to see, you got to see, this is a pretty complete game, right? You got Rashad Penny, big day. You got Tyler Lockett, sexy deep balls. You got Russ being Russ. You got Al Woods and, and his, you know, and his thigh arms dancing in the backfield the whole game. I don't even think we gave any love to Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner had a game. You know, but he played very, very well. And we didn't we didn't mention our second year guy who's really a rookie who should have had two sacks because I went back and I could see that the the hold on Sidney Jones. I don't think there was much of a hold there on that call. But Daryl Taylor had two beautiful sacks again. I know one goes in the book, one does not. But for again, you, listen, I'll, I'll end with this. I'm excited by this guy because I watch what dudes like Bosa just do for other teams. It's like when they've got that guy that could just be you, whatever you want to do, you basically can't stop him. You can't. Yeah. Or the TJ Watts or now the Micah Parsons of the world. It's like, good luck. You could put two dudes on him. You ain't stopping him. It changes the game dramatically. We're not quite there yet, but Daryl Taylor is coming into his own. And I love giving him some love because we haven't even mentioned him in about an hour or so. I'm excited about Daryl Taylor. I, I keep forgetting that this really is his rookie season. And and so when you see kind of that development throughout the course of the season, it, it definitely it gets you excited for what may be to come uh, years down the road with Daryl Taylor. So, yes, I, I'm glad you pointed that out. It, it could have been a monster game for Taylor. And yeah, a, a, a BS call takes one of his sacks off the board. Yeah. And that and that a lot of these things were I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, the, the rhetoric on Twitter in the moment didn't match the eye test. It just didn't match it. The eye test, go back and watch. It is, this is a way, way better offensive unit that is just starting to kind of get it. I know it's week 14. I know it's a little late in the curve, but it, we ain't dead yet. Got the Rams on a short week. We got to gear up. We got to go in there. We got to keep the dream alive and get this this stupid monkey off our back that we can't beat a McVay team and, you know, cram it down their cram holes. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>